episode 59. I got this one right. No question. I checked before I hit the record button. Hello, Alex. Hey. You got your little sidekick there. Little baby boo. Little Ivy. Um, yeah. The Open started today, officially. I forgot they do the announcements at noon. It was like all of a sudden I got a notification. I was like, what? Pardon me? I thought it was like 6 p.m. But I guess they started that, what, last year? Yeah, to me it still feels like they should be at 6. I think it's helpful for people in Europe. I think that's a good shift. Mm -hmm. And it's nice, like, if you want to do it on the day, like Thursday, you can do it Thursday or, like, you know, be a little more prepared if you want to do it Friday morning. What do you think of the workout? Um, I liked it at first, and then I kind of thought about it, and I was like, eh, that's a lot of dumbbell snatch. Yeah, but it's it's light, but mm -hmm. I like it. I do. I think it's a good, like, combination of movements. Do you think it's a good test of fitness? I think it's good for the open. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's better than, a a bit more well-rounded than the the workout last year with the wall walks yeah. and double unders, which just ended up being like just wall walks. Yeah. It's just, it was a little too specialized. So I think this is a, a more well-rounded workout and a better test of fitness. And if you're only going to do three tests, like, you know, that's a good, is she shoving her head? Like she's underneath? digging, she's burrowing. She's, she's digging. She's like, I'm actually a badger. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you miss Dave? He was notably absent. Um, but I guess he was always going to be absent, which was he? Yeah. That was announced like a a while ago. Like he wasn't going to be doing the announcements, but anyways, um, I don't know. I kind of do, but at the same time, like I thought that they did a better job than they did the year that Dave wasn't involved and they did all the affiliates. Yeah. That was 2019, which was just a shit show anyways. It really was. So this year was, I thought it was pretty well done. They had a lot of like background stories and stuff. I didn't really, I didn't really miss Dave that much. Yeah. I think just like everything in CrossFit, people make a big hullabaloo over a change and then they forget. Yeah. They just get distracted by whatever's next. Like they still had awesome athletes, like showcasing awesome athletes, which really is like what people are there to see. Mm -hmm. Dave is not really, you know. I mean, I would love to see Dave do that, do those workouts, but he never did. Yeah. Um, but no, I think people are there to see the athletes and see what the workouts are going to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He's kind of made an interesting shift on Instagram, mm-hmm. which, uh, which I guess, so he's never been super active in, I guess, let me, let me back up. He is active on social media and on Instagram, but he's never been one to like mingle with other people on instagram and he's doing a little bit of that now like with his uh he's he's like seems to be on board with this liver king dude yeah he has posted well because he posted a a post an igt live Mm -hmm. that was talking about his diet during his basically i think it was like a two two or three day like rock competition shooting competition thing yep um and how he he was eating high fat low carb. Yeah, and then he's talked, and then he started getting into keto and saying things like, "You know, I I you can do your own research." Which I love that line. I mean, you know exactly what that means. It means I have no idea what I'm talking about. I you can do you can do your own research. Research just just uh, look up keto expert. 
it's like or maybe that is so biased look up a keto expert look up a regular old expert general and then see what that person says Mm -hmm. yeah um you know the whole the whole thing with keto it's so funny that this continues to like like every time you think keto is dead and crossfit it like comes back um and you know dale had dale i don't know why why did i call him dale (laughs) um uh dave has a lot of followers so of course people are um in the comment section saying like I did this with keto. I ran this race and I felt amazing and, you know, all of that stuff. Oh, another thing he said was, you you know, there's a lot of research out there. There's a lot of anecdotal research. And I was like, exactly. Hilarious. He just uses the term anecdotal. I think he, he, yeah. Um, yeah, the whole thing though with, I mean. I'm like, who are you that you feel it's just it's somebody who has a lot of followers and he he has absolutely no right to be talking about nutrition but then you see why he's doing it and it's then he goes into the the food that he brought and you know the rich froning farms beef jerky whatever (laughs) it was like he's and then he's posting how he's a an ambassador now for them he gets an ambassador package it's like it's you can see through it but then you go to the the comments and what you want to see is like really dave (laughs) why like who are you to be talking about your diet you know Mm -hmm. you're not any sort of like expert performer you know and you don't even have like authority in the fitness industry you're not even a athlete yeah I mean, I guess maybe you are if like gun shooting counts. I don't know if that does, um, but like, yeah. anyways, I I go into the comments and I almost like <sighs> expect to see like, yeah, exactly, really, Dave. But what you do see is like, yes, thank you, keto all the way. Me. I've been keto for five years and I feel amazing. Keto for. Keto for endurance sports is definitely the way to go. Like, yeah. God. And I was like, really? Because, like, the research that's out that's any good says the complete opposite. Exact opposite of that. Yeah, the interesting thing about this Liver King guy, um, number one, he is 100% taking steroids. Oh. Without a doubt. Like, that's just not even, it's not even debatable. And, so I don't beyond know if a, it's beyond a reasonable doubt, beyond a reasonable doubt, um, which is fine. There's actually there's no rule that says you can't take steroids. And then well, why do you think he's 100 percent on steroids? Um, because he has traps that grow up to his ears because his like whole body skin is like dick thin, dick skin thin. Like this dude is the most like you do not get that vascular. And like he's got the belly and I don't know. You just look at him. It's not difficult to figure it out. It can't be genetics. Here's why I think it's not genetics. Okay. Okay. I'll tell I'm just you. playing dev- devil's advocate here. Um, I don't like, I did some research into liver King bro. And his name is what's his name. Brian Johnson. He was not on the internet or if he was, he deleted all of his, his accounts and in, like Instagram, Facebook, all of that stuff. And basically emerged onto the internet in like the summer, like this past summer, so summer 2021. 
and it was very well orchestrated. Like you can tell there's just, there's a lot of money behind what he's doing. So you're saying there's going to be a new Netflix series called Inventing Liver King? Oh, maybe. Or just Liver King, like Tiger King. I could see that. Oh, well, I was thinking like Inventing Anna. I know. I'm aware. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so he just kind of comes up out of nowhere and looks the way that he looks and is going on about the nine ancestral tenants and how this is how he lives his life. He sleeps on a literal pallet with a blanket. Um, there's the liver queen, which is his wife, and they eat raw meat and do a bunch of other dumb shit. And, you know, there's a lot of what he's saying. Fine. You should spend time outside. I agree with that. Like a lot of what he, he says isn't wholly inaccurate, but like taken completely out of context of like what a, like, you know, what normal life looks like for most people right now, kind of silly. And then to sit, go on and say, these nine things will solve all of your problems. This, this, and this, it's kind of silly, but, um, there's no, you can't go back and see what this dude looked like in 2015 or 2010. Like Ah. there's just no, there's no before and after it's like, he looks the way he looks. That's it. Um, it's all, it's just a little fishy. And then on top of that, like it's the classic combination of I look jacked, And I also have a supplement company Mm -hmm. and those two things just kind of like those are hand in hand. Like there are so many bodybuilders out there that do this online, like on specifically on the the internet, on Instagram that just use their body and like their looks and the fact that like they're taking steroids to sell whatever bullshit they're selling because they're allowed to do it. There's no rule that says you can't do that. Just like this dude, there's no rule that says you can't get jacked up on, whatever steroid you want and then peddle your ancestral supplement which like to move into the next layer of irony you're telling me that you're like you have these nine ancestral tenants you sleep on a pallet you eat raw meat you do things as close to but you also take supplements but you're taking supplements you're taking powders and pills Mm -hmm. really that is a little ironic really it's a little not ironic it's uh hypocritical hypocritical yeah so the whole thing's really i i'm i'm going to go ahead and and make a guess and that most of his followers are not tenants of the liver diet (laughs) they are just there for the entertainment and i say this as somebody who when he was posted on dave's story looked at his stories for way too long than you i would want to admit he's kind of entertaining the liver king he's <laughs> well he's like liver king here like he talks in third person he's a cartoon character he really is he's quite entertaining and so then i was thinking what if i if i created a character and i came out as the carb queen carb queen here carb queen. <laughs> um yeah i mean the whole thing's so weird like I, but just, I would have to like <laughs> severely dehydrate myself to make those videos any any way in any way comparable they like the raw meat okay so <laughs> He took a bite of liver. Yeah, raw. but like the like and what's the point? Like actually what's the point? What's the goal? Like to look like him. It would be cooler if this guy was actually actually living off the grid with no electricity, like But then how could he post? Yeah, that's a good point. But like can we also recognize the fact that our ancestors had fire and could cook their meat? True. In fact, like our gut evolved for specifically for cooked meat. It's why we don't do a good job eating raw meat now. 
because we've been cooking our meat for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. We don't eat raw meat. And even like the other day, Savan is, is eating. He's like, I'm eating raw meat. He's like, I have ground beef and I, I put a bunch of lemon juice in it. Why are you, and why I, are you following Savan? Uh, I don't know. I just check in on him when I feel like I need to see something fucking crazy. Um, but check in <laughs> on him every once in a while. And he's like, he's like, I, I took ground beef and I put lemon juice on it. And then he's like eating it. He's like, it's completely raw. And I was like, well, technically, technically that's not raw anymore. And then he feeds it to his kid. I was like, don't be fucking raw meat he to your does, kid. It's all clickbait. Yeah, you're going to make your kids clickbait. Don't feed your kids raw meat or cured meat. Just don't. Just don't do it. That's so silly. Um, Yeah, anyways, the whole thing, like really the main beef that I have, and that is not a pun, that's just what I'm saying, is like you, he, he's such a phony, this liver king dude. Like he's clearly on gas or something. And people are just like, no, that's just what happens when you eat organ tissue i could eat organ tissue and i would not look like him no i'd be i mean like i'd probably like get really lean because i'd be shitting my brains out but after that wore off it's just like the the whole thing and like he's like there's there he's sponsoring crossfit events i'm like can we please can we not he is ancestral supplements are like it's they're starting to pop up in the crossfit space i know it's like (laughs) <laughs> I lose faith a little bit in this community. So I'm like, be guys. Can we be better? It's like they're doing ans- ancestral, what is it? Supplements. Yeah. But then they're also doing monster. Oh, it's hilarious. It's so good. Um, yeah. I mean, people will believe anything. I like to think that the CrossFit community is a little better, but I don't know. Um, so I wanted to talk about my diet a little bit. Oh, yeah. About what part of it? Um, well, I think through COVID, we haven't really, like, been doing that much. We haven't? No. Like, we, we go skiing and stuff, but we don't... We go to restaurants, but it's pretty infrequent. And we when we do go out to restaurants, I usually order something that is similar to what I would be eating at home. So, like, one thing I really like to get at restaurants is, um, like, rotisserie chicken if they have it. It's, like, your go-to. And and then fries. And I have, you know, basically it's just, like, chicken and then fries. And it's, like, I, I know what's in the chicken. And French fries are obviously just French fries. And I know the, the nutritional value of them. Es- like, I can make an estimate. Um, and even dessert. Like, you order like a brownie and an ice cream and you can say like, okay, I know how much is in a brownie. I know how much is, I know how much I'm consuming here. Which is like the opposite of me. So you kind of like plan it out and you're like, okay, I'm going to get chicken and fries. I'm going to go to this place. Yeah. Your, your dad's like burger and fries. Yeah. And then I'm like, what's the special? And they're like, oh, it's this, this, this. I'm like, okay, I have that. Um, so we were out for dinner on Monday and we went to a pizza place and two things i'm not a big i think we could get into this in a whole nother podcast i know you're where you're gonna do some a deep dive into the research are we talking about psychosomatic just yeah but just really quickly okay as like a teaser okay i have a psychosomatic food sensitivity a psychosomatic f- food sensitivity and i will tell you i'll tell you the backstory in another podcast but 
in a very short couple of sentences, I used to have really, really, really bad GI distress. And I ended up doing like an entire elimination diet and discovered that I was intolerant to a bunch of these different foods. And it wasn't, I, I did an IgG test, but to, they didn't correlate with what I was intolerant to when I did the full elimination diet. I also lost like 13 pounds doing the elimination diet. <laughs> I wasn't tracking macros back then. So I basically, you know, wasn't eating. Anyway, um, still doing CrossFit. It was not good. Discovered that I felt better not eating gluten and not eating dairy. So since like 2015, going on seven years now, have pretty much avoided gluten and dairy. I will eat like bites here and there, but never in large amounts. Like little scone pieces. Like I'll have, like the max amount I'll have is like half of a scone. And that's kind of like, that's pushing it now. Before it would be like one or two bites of Meredith's bread or bagel. So... (laughs) Um, I've slowly been kind of like dipping my toe into more dairy, more gluten. Like I'm feeling a little bit better with those things, with those items. Um, also like I've taking some time away from tracking cause that's another thing I've been doing for like six years and I just kind of take intermittent breaks. This is more of an extended break, which has been nice. I'm learning a little bit about like my diet and what I can improve on without tracking, which is protein intake and fruits and vegetables. So we go for, we go for dinner and we go to a pizza place and I'm like, I'm so overwhelmed by the menu. Cause I'm like, I don't, there's nothing on this menu that like is safe, safe from both, from both like, um, a dairy and a gluten avoidance thing, but also from like, what the hell is even in that? Like you were like, Oh, they have meatballs. And it was like pork and beef. And I was like, ground pork has so much fat and then I'm like meatballs have like they're like cooked in oil aren't they I I don't know so I'm like okay I don't want that because I don't know how much is like I could eat one meatball it could be like 400 calories yeah maybe I like I can eat 400 calories because I eat french fries but it's like not knowing what's in it are you following I'm following you seem confused no, no, no. Okay, so basically I'm like, just order order what you want. Order what pizza you want. So you ordered if you ordered a kale salad, kale Caesar salad. It had like bacon bits and stuff. And with chicken. And a pizza. It was vegetarian pizza with um, sausage on it. Yes. And I was like, okay. Well, I mean, it was vegetarian and then we added sausage. Yeah. It wasn't vegetarian with sausage. Yeah. And it would not be... And I'm somebody who I would say I have a a pretty good relationship with food. Like it's not something that it consumes me and that like I want to feel good during the day. I want to support my activities. So I like to eat fairly similar to the way I always eat, even on vacation, because it makes me feel really good. Like if I eat too much junk food, I, I actually just feel bad. Like the amount of sugar, sometimes it's not eating enough. Sometimes it's eating too much. Like you just get a little thrown off. Yeah. Plus I'm a creature of habit. Um, So, but I would say like, I have a pretty good relationship. Like I'm not super concerned about, um, I I don't really get guilt, but this thing happened like when the pizza arrived and I haven't had pizza in a really long time. Like I could see, like I picked up a slice and there was like oil on, on the dough underneath. Yes. 
And then on it, it was like cheese and sausage. And I'm thinking like, and, and apparently this pizza had honey on it. It was really good. And I, I was almost like, I have no idea how to even estimate what's in this, what's on this pizza. Yes. How much I'm eating. So I had to like, I had to do this thing, which I tell my clients to do all the time where I'm like, it's fine. I'm going to really enjoy each and every bite of this pizza. Even though I might get a stomachache later because it has gluten and dairy, I'm just going to do it and I'm going to low stress. I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm going to move on. And I did just that. And it was, it was quite freeing, but I didn't, I think it's because we haven't been out in so long that I didn't even know that I was kind of still struggling a little bit with that. Well, I think there's, there's like a spectrum of struggle with that. And I think if you're someone who's just food aware at all, you look at a piece like a pizza when it shows up and you just like immediately start doing math. And that's kind of how I am. It's like, I, you know, I look at it and it's not, I wouldn't say that I have like food issues. I definitely don't, but there's like, there is something like, you know, you eat very plain kind of repetitive food and then you have a pizza put in front of you. And part of your brain is like, we don't eat pizza. Um, and we don't on a regular basis, but we do on special occasions. And that was just a, you know, a night that we had decided to go out. Um, yeah, but there's, there's always part of that. That's just like, "Mm." and I think that's not necessarily a, a bad thing because, um, I think people get really mixed up with this idea of like, uh, restriction and restriction is in the diets really bad when you're, you know, there's off limits foods, there's things that we never eat, no matter what, never, ever, 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 ever until, you know, your system breaks and you accidentally have a slice of pizza and then your whole world explodes. And that's how restriction can have a detrimental effect. But restraint in the diet is not only normal, but necessary, I think, to live in the food world that we live in and how that shows up is, um, you know, there's that pizza and it's, it's kind of a two person pizza. I think most people would go in there with their partner and they would split that pizza and it would be gone. But in my head, I'm like, I, uh, I don't want to eat an entire half of that pizza, even though I, I know I can. And we got to the point, like I, I had my slices and I was like, I could eat those other two slices. That would not be a problem. Even at one, you even said, and again, I don't want people to think I have that this is necessarily disordered. I think like you said, there is a a spectrum. I think it's okay to recognize that there are um, limitations, recognizing that and like, you know, not like being like, like being able to rationalize it and actually being able to rationalize it. A lot of people, people can't. And I, I read some, something the other day and it was like, you know, for progress for some people, it means like, and I think, Ironically, it was a slight, they used the example as a pizza. It was like being able to eat a pizza without guilt. Mm-hmm. And then some people progress means being able to say no to pizza. So really there's no one size fits all. Like not everyone should just be like, I'm not, a t- we, you never see us being like, just eat the cookie, just eat the pizza because it doesn't work. It's so individualized. It's yeah. so dependent on what people need. And in that, that moment for me, what I needed was, yeah, just eat the pizza. Yeah. Which I did. I was able to be like, enjoy the pizza. But even you, you said, you looked at me, we were looking at the, the platter that the pizza was on and you're like, you wish you had a 
a napkin to a dab napkin it. to dab it don't you, you and i kind of was like kind of yeah like i don't know and i i kind of grew up as a kid um and this is totally has nothing to do with eating disordered eating disorder behavior it was i i never really liked fat like i didn't i hated fat and meat i think i've explained this um like i didn't like the way it felt in my mouth yeah and i never even my dad would put like butter on my bagel and i would always dab it because i just didn't like oil and butter like yeah i really I never liked cheese like i always liked really dry food yeah. <laughs> very plain um i did like fettuccine alfredo that is not a dry it's food. Not. <laughs> uh, very rich. But yeah, I think I just thought it was interesting and I kind of wanted to share my experience because w- while um, I think people, and I, I talk to people on a daily basis about this, it's like I think people have this expectation that your relationship with food is going to be perfect eventually or can be perfect. And in today's day and age, I just don't, I don't know if that's really possible. No. And, um, I think it's important to normalize, like even when your relationship with food improves, you might still have feelings around certain foods and that's okay. Like I would say, I'm like you, I have a really good relationship with food, but that doesn't mean that I don't struggle at times with, you know, doing what I want to do versus doing what I should do. And then, you know, then it becomes, well, should I do the thing that I want to do because that would help me in this moment? Or should I not do that? Or should I wait and do that on a different day? It's totally normal. Yeah. But I don't let that, um, the fact that I struggle or I have those thoughts, like, I think, um, a lot of people and, obviously we talk about ourselves a lot on this podcast, but, um, a lot of people think, or I get the impression that a lot of people think that they should be fine navigating this world without cravings. Oh, do you get that? Like, do people, do you get that impression that people will have that expectation that that people like us don't get cravings or don't overeat or don't want to eat something or can with restrain ourselves from eating too much of our treat like favorite treat foods. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's also very common, but cravings, cravings are like number one, super nat like normal. That's a natural thing. Um, cravings for hyper palatable food is even more natural. Like that makes sense biologically. So it's not, something that's ever going to go away, especially when you know certain foods exist. Like that's all that that is. It's just your brain trying to play little games on you. And I mean, I have days where I'm like, damn, I could go for like a burger and fries and a frosty. And then I start thinking about the frosty and I was like, no, I really need to go get a frosty. And like that happens. And it's like an overwhelming desire to go. Do I go get a frosty? No, I do not. But you know, it doesn't mean that that doesn't occur. I, I would be curious to know if people who have bigger problems with snacking report worse problems with snacking have more snack food in their house. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I think, again, this is just a guess, an educated guess, that the people who don't struggle as much with snacking 
don't keep the foods that they really like in their house. For me, like the odd time I bring cookies into the house, they are gone. It doesn't matter how many there are. They are gone within two days. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever sit down and eat one cookie. Rarely do I do that. But every time I go into the fridge or the pantry, wherever they are, I have some cookie. Like a little piece? You break a little piece yeah. off? And like, of course, I don't log it because I'm like, well, I mean, a like tiny a little, bite doesn't like count for anything. I, mean, I ate it while I stood up. I probably burned it <laughs> off right away. That's how it works. And then I all think. of a sudden, I'm like, who ate all the cookies? Yeah. It's wild. But like, you know, that's happening. And I, I, I think I have a little bit more sympathy with with people who have kids and goldfish yeah kids like kids foods are, tend to be snacky foods um and i again i don't really know if i have a specific opinion on how you should feed your kids because i'm not a parent and i have no idea really how that works i'm like what if you just like didn't have goldfish in your house yeah but then again i loved goldfish when i was a kid we never really had goldfish it was like the only we had goldfish and then like uh, what was the other one we would have sometimes? Cheez-Its? Cheez-Its are even more easy to eat than goldfish. We never had any sort of chip stuff because my mom um, cannot control herself around chips. See? And she knows that. So there And you I go. think as a kid, we just never had, had I, it. too, cannot control myself around chips. So I don't yeah. keep chips in the house. I re- we used to pick up... Um, so we used to deliver Christmas cookies around and one of the families would give us like chex mix okay but it was like bake like she would season oh, it they and would bake season it. it with like the worcestershire yeah sauce it had like and pretzels mm-hmm. and yeah um like bran yeah they have the squares. little like, chips like the little yeah things. and no yeah, that's one chips. of my mom's like weaknesses yeah we'd get in the car and she would open it immediately and just be picking out the things that she liked the most and like to me i'm like that's not in- i don't i don't go for that i'm a, more of a cookie person but she was like, we got to get this out of the house. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> yeah. And so I think people who know that, they just, it's like creating friction to a habit. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I had a I cl- client the other day was like, I think, you know, I wish by now, I thought by now I'd have more discipline. Mm. I'm like, that's not the, really the way it works. No. Like you could get, you, you could increase your confidence in the control that you have around those foods and then also you could, you could like, it's the whole, um, what's that theory with the, the pleasure trap, the pleasure trap. Yeah. Like if you're not eating really highly palatable foods all the time, you can actually get the same response with less palatable foods. Yeah. Um, so maybe you don't crave like a giant slurpee or cheat cheat it's you can have like a cracker a saltine cracker and it might have the same effect yeah um so i think you can improve but i don't think you ever are like gonna be perfect and never want something that doesn't align with your goals yeah i mean it's the thing that we talked about we have talked about a few times on the instagram which is it's not about developing discipline it's about developing action and habits and then those things just you know, build motivation to continue to be disciplined in certain ways. I guess that's the best way to put that. So it's like you don't just wake up one day and you're like you're a disciplined person, but you wake up one day and you are, you know, no longer a person that eats handfuls of Cheez-Its, partially because maybe Cheez-Its aren't in your house, but also it's just like you have made the decision not to do that over and over and over and over and over again. And so making the decision not to do it 
isn't as difficult as it once was. Yeah. But is it going to be easy to get to that point? No. Like you're going to, you're going to be craving Cheez-Its or goldfish or Chex Mist or whatever like the food is until your brain stops expecting that you'll provide it. And then it's like, okay, well, I guess like chicken is cool too. (laughs) You know, like that's kind of how that works. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I thought it was kind of interesting that experience. Mm -hmm. Very like meta, like (laughs) nutrition coach struggling with nutrition. This is meta, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah. Part of me didn't want to share it because I'm like, no, I'm supposed to be perfect. Yeah. But I'm not. Oh, whatever. I'm just like you. You, you listener out there. I thought you were saying me. I thought you are not like me. (laughs) That is for sure. But yeah, Una Pizza. Super delicious. I highly recommend. Yeah, the kale salad is unreal. I was actually like, I'm thinking about that place and I'm not craving pizza. I'm craving that kale salad. Yeah, but that kale salad, (laughs) salad is, is a loose term for what? I don't know. It, was it had a lot dressed. of kale. Yeah, it was It was high kale. It also kale had a lot of bacon. It was Tiny high kale to little it. bacon bits. Yeah, the bacon bits were like... There was also something else crispy. Like, instead of putting croutons, they fried up tiny little breadcrumbs. I think they probably just like grated breadcrumbs. They may yeah. have. They also... There was a lot of Parmesan in there too. Yeah. But it wasn't like... Like, I've had Caesar salads that are drowning and shit. And this was lightly dressed. And you could easily like get a piece and then just give it a shake mm-hmm. and like knock off the bacon bits. Just along with dabbing the pizza. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> the waiter, when he was, when they were, yeah, when, she, when, when he was taking our order, or she, I can't remember, asked if we wanted any dipping sauce for the crust. He was like, you know, like marinara or ranch. And I was like, oh, ranch. But I'm from the South and you dip everything in ranch. Like, Chicken tenders and ranch dressing is like, holy moly. Yeah, I never did that. I was more of like a honey mustard ketchup type yeah, person. Yeah, you're from Alberta. And then they're like, do you want chilies and chili oil? And I was like, no more oil. And I was like, I do, but I just want to eat the chilies because I really like those Italian chilies. Yeah, that was that was fun and enjoyable and a, a good experience for me. It Yeah. It really was. It was. I'll do it again next year. no we're probably gonna go back more frequently now yeah um so today i mean we've already talked for a while but i think we wanted to touch on expectations meredith oh well part of this is because and like we are our client influx kind of like ebbs and flows but for some reason right now we're getting in a lot of like referrals which i don't hate because it means someone has had a good experience so like the more referrals means more people are having a good experience which means they're referring their friends because they want everyone to be happy and with us. And that's awesome. Um, but like for the most part to this point, most of our client intake has come from people who follow us on Instagram, some people who listen to the podcast. And so like, I would describe that as like, if someone who has followed us for a long time when they finally decide to sign up, it's a bit like, you know, you're on a, you're at a ranch and you know, you're going to get on this horse and it's like, you know, it's got the saddle on and it's like, who's the horse and who's the person riding? The horse is the client. Okay. But they're, they know what to expect. Like they've been ridden before. Like they're like, yeah, this is going to be fun. So you like get on the horse and you ride off into the sunset. And that's people who come to us from Instagram. Yeah. They're, they, they're already saddled up. 
ready to go. They really They've been preconditioned. <laughs> yeah, the they know what content. to expect. Yeah, they know what side of the what side of the horse they, the okay, coach gonna is going to get, get on from, <laughs> from the left. Although if you, I don't know who gets on a horse from the right though. Like you don't do that. Really? Yeah, I no. never thought of that. But anyways, um, maybe some people do. I just don't think that's normal. Okay, but yeah, mount on the left. Like they're going to give you a little head tickle and you're just going to like <laughs> a carrot. A, yeah. You're going to get your welcome carrot. Um, maybe they're going to scratch your butt before they get on, give you a pat, tell you that you're a good boy. And then yeah, off, off you go into the sunset. Hi ho silver away. Um, people who come in who don't follow us on Instagram or don't listen to the podcast and it's just like a, a friend of a friend or maybe like someone who we haven't even worked with. They just know that we work with people on their nutrition. They, you know, they come we over. Have, it's like all they know is that we have a nutrition program. Mm -hmm. That's all they know. Yes. And their friend lost weight. That's it. So, um, that one is a bit more like a bucking Bronco situation. <laughs> like you get on and it's like, oh, <laughs> shit. It's like the horse is like, no, no, no. And it's trying to like, like buck you off. And like, yeah, you kind of have to like you hold on and hopefully the horse settles down and you're like, okay. Like now we're going to ride in a slow circle around this pen. And, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes you get sucked <laughs> off and you're like, you know what? This is just, it's best if we just don't try to do that again. Yeah. We don't have success with every single client that comes in the door. We don't. Some people are hard set in their ways, which is sad as a coach because all you want is the best for everybody and you try your hardest, but it doesn't always work like that. Yeah. I do find people who come in that don't know very much about us bring with them a lot of um, expectation. Yeah, expectation. They bring in a lot of like preconceptions. They bring in a lot of their own bias with them. Like, well, this has worked for me Knowledge. in the past. I'm like, well, how is Yeah, like bullshit they've heard from their personal trainer about being what well, they've if I read. Can, what they've read in 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 women's health. Yeah. Um, well, you know, my old personal trainer told me if I got below thirty percent body fat, then I would be able to maintain it. I was like, what? really and it's um you know it's stuff like that and it's like well maybe like yeah people who maintain their weight successfully do tend to be under 30 percent, but that's not like some sort of a milestone like oh you finally made it checkpoint i would say the most common are, are people who come in thinking that they need to eat 1200 calories to lose weight yeah and it is it is like pulling teeth to convince somebody that that is not necessary to lose weight yeah you explain the math you explain the the way that the body works um and it just it's like it you just i i want to use i want to use some sort of phrase like you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink i did use but that phrase you day. can barely even get the horse to the water it's like, no, nah, I want to go, I want to go drink out of the standing cesspool because <laughs> it'll make me shit. Like that's the kind of, and like, that's not to be rude. It's, it's, it's a struggle, but yeah, like people bring, there's a, uh, I think more recently too, like a lot of people come and they have weight 
weight loss, but then there are also people who want to change their body composition and get strong and gain muscle. Well, let's start with weight loss. Okay. That's the most common. And yeah. then we'll go performance. Okay. Well, let's get on track here, Alex. Sorry. I've got a lot to say. I it's been a tell. while since we've done a podcast, so I'm a little chatty. You're getting flustered. <laughs> weight loss expectations. Yeah. This is our friend, uh, our friend Beth, who owns a, a nutrition company of her own. Uh, I think we posted about it and then she posted about it and it's, she makes clients and I'm like, I'm going to borrow this idea. When they sign up, they sign a, an acknowledgement of what reasonable, reasonable weight, um, rates of weight loss are. And then do you understand what reasonable rates are not? And so Alex, what's a reasonable rate of weight loss? A reasonable weight rate of weight loss. How hard is that to say? For, Almost everyone, including somebody who's 300 pounds, including somebody who's 130 pounds, is approximately 0.5 to 1 pounds of body weight per week in an ideal world. Yes. There are many factors that go into that number. I push that up to 1.5 for someone who's on the larger side. Uh, yeah, that's, but that's fair. One is slightly above average. 0.75 is where most people need mm -hmm. to be sort of aiming, which... There's one, one thing I'll say is that when I say, when I tell people, and I usually put this in the plan, um, that, that, that although that is the, a reasonable expectation to have, if you follow these macros, you may not, you will not see those exact numbers week to week. Like there will be ups and downs along the way. It's more like what you, I guess we could say is like, expect to lose two to four pounds per month. Yeah. Or, I mean, you could extrapolate that out. Expect to lose roughly 52 pounds this year. Yeah. I'm just going to start saying that. <laughs> so that way people are like, they get the rate, but then they also understand the time domain. Because I'll get people who, and we, we have conversations and usually I can explain it, um, who are like, I gained weight. I gained weight this week. And it's like, yeah. And I was like, I mean, yeah, technically, but that doesn't mean like there's no progress. Let's give it another week. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. you can't look at week to week. That's just not a good picture. No. And it's, it's like, it's like taking a progress photo and being like, well, no progress. <laughs> well, it's so silly because it's like what that's, what that does is it's, you can make progress like for, let's just say seven weeks straight. And then you get to that week where you, where nothing changes. Like maybe you, it's like, like one pound down, one pound down, one pound down, you're seven pounds down. And then week seven to eight, nothing happens. And then instead of looking backwards and going, well, I've lost seven pounds. You're like, nope. I plateaued. I plateaued. I lost no weight. All that work was for nothing. Yeah. It's just like arbitrary week long timeline. Like we're not thinking in weeks. We're thinking in like months. We're thinking in years. Um, but the expectation, and I think it comes from a lack of understanding, a lack of knowledge. And I know I have talked about this with clients. I don't know if I've talked about it here, but weight loss, like people pay tons of attention to weight loss. They just, they look at it. They get their magnifying glasses out and they stare at it. But no one does that when they gain weight. And it's like, you don't get to be 300 pounds by eating well. You don't. But if I was, if I were to say how, like, can you send me a, a, a maybe a graph um, with data that shows me exactly what your weight gain looked like over the last five years? No one has that. No one measures their weight as they're gaining it. 
no one's like, well, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I gained two pounds this week and then didn't gain for two weeks. And then I gained three pounds and then I lost weight. No one, no one tracks that. They don't understand that weight loss occurs in the exact same way, which is non-linear, non-linear weight loss because weight gain is also change in body energy tends to be non-linear. And the reason is because the human body is so extraordinarily complex. Like there are so, there are so many factors that go into the, like just the metabolism alone. So the collection of cellular processes that dictate how much energy our body needs. And then also, um, our activity during the day that changes day to day workouts change day to day. The time you spend on your feet change day to day. The effect that a workout has on the day or day after changes day to day. Like it's so arrogant to think that, that you understand enough about the human body to say, yes, I, I feel like I can expect, you know, one to two pounds per week, every single week. And the second that it doesn't happen, I want to change something. Really? Like I would say that we are experts and I don't, I don't, I don't presume to, to know what kind of rate anyone can expect until I start to see numbers over time. Okay. Can I tell a story? Yeah. That's kind of like this. So we had an athlete who's like a top level athlete and they did a, uh, a competition. It was like several day competition, expended a lot of energy, but was also eating a lot like to support that, um, has their nutrition dialed in. And like a week after they were asking us, like, I, I kind of thought I would have lost weight. And it's like three, three days. <laughs> like d- the math alone doesn't add up from like an activity level and energy intake level. And then also that it's three days. Like, yeah, if you got really dehydrated, maybe, but it's going to come back. But yeah, that, that mindset is, it's not limited to people who are beginner in fitness and nutrition. It's people who are experienced in fitness and nutrition who should know. And they still think, why didn't I lose weight? I worked out a ton. Why didn't I lose weight? There are so many things. There are so many, there are so many little sub rabbit holes that you can go down with regards to metabolism and, and the reason why you can't really have expectations of great weight loss sustained over time. But really the, the bigger takeaway here is that expectations, um, specifically expectations of timelines or rate of change probably derail more people from making progress ever, um, than, than helps people because the, if the expectation, um, uh, for fast pro like fast progress, it's, it's so ingrained and so visceral that, um, the second it doesn't happen, they just, it, people quit or they go, they start chasing fast progress. So that's when people start bouncing around and doing these kind of weirdo diets that kind of create this like sort of yo-yo cycle. Um, whereas had the person just steadily been okay with steady, slow progress, you skip all of that drama and trauma. And in a year you're down 52 pounds and that's the weight loss transformation that everyone wants. It's just not going to happen in 30 days. It's not gonna happen or 60 days or 90 days. It's going to happen in 365 days. But like, what the hell else are you doing? Like, do you, are, why are people in such a rush? Do, are people signing up for bodybuilding shows that we don't know about? Like what else do you have going on? Give it a year. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say I would say from my experience as a coach, the people that have the least amount of progress or success with me, I mean, they they might go off and find somebody else are the ones who come in with timelines. And then the ones who come in with preconceived notions of weight loss or the way that dieting should be based on what they've done before, what their friends have done or what they read in a magazine, the people who fight the hardest um, or they'll say something like, well, I'll, I'll try. I'll try your way. Those people also struggle to make progress. Like there's no trust there. So it's like they're not bought in because it does take a long time. So it's like they'll say, I tr I'll try. And then, of course, what happens is they don't see any, like, well, in quotes, substan substantial <laughs> weight loss in two weeks, so it's not working. The people who have the most success, and I'm not talking about people, like, who come in without any preconceived notions. I'm talking about people who come in with, who've tried every diet under the sun. They think low carb has worked. They think, you know, Atkins, which is also low carb, um, Weight Watchers, they've, you know, they have you should be losing 30 pounds in 30 days or whatever it is. The ones who have the most success who come in like that are the ones who come in and just 100% are like every, they, they recognize that they've tried everything else and it has not worked. So it's like, I'm going to put all my eggs in my bas in this basket. I trust you. Those are the ones that have the most success. Yeah. Those are the ones who are like, they still ask questions like, Oh, well, how come, how come, you know, so-and-so said this to me, how come my trainer told me this? And you say, Oh, I never say, well, that's stupid. I say, okay, well, you know, this is probably what they think, but this is how it actually is based on the math or the science or the research. And their response is, oh, okay, thanks. I didn't know that. <sighs> and then they carry on with that new knowledge. And what happens with the other knowledge? Wiped. If I could ask for one thing from any client coming in, it's, well, there's two things. Either or. One would be 100% trust and two wipe any not preconceived knowledge of nutrition clean in their brains. Come in like a blank slate. Like the, um, like as if you were first born. Like the, the men in black neuralizer. Yeah, exactly. The memory eraser. You just like hold it up and you go, Broop. And then they forget everything they ever knew about. Well, it's like, you know, their whole lives, but really just about nutrition. Yep. And then you can be like 0.5 to one pound per week. And they'd be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, I laugh, but I, I really do wish that would make my job much easier. But at the same time, it is fun when you, you know, you work hard to help someone learn the, the way, the right path. And their lives change yeah 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 i mean uh, that happens all the time it takes it takes a long time though my my i never have the expectation that someone's gonna have ultimate trust i i have the expectation that i'm gonna have to earn this trust by being there for that person by being understanding by listening by explaining and yep. i try that some people again like a buck and bronco and mm. they ride off and they ride off into the distance on their own i don't know where they end up <laughs> hopefully with a coach who's you know, better for them. Probably tranquilized her in a <laughs> pen. Um, but yeah, I hope, I always hope for the best, but, um, that's, that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and then like same, same exact kind of, uh, argument or 
philosophy applies to training and performance goals or body composition. Um, progress is slow and it requires like, this has been a big thing. A lot of people, uh, who are coming from kind of affiliate CrossFit affiliate programming, uh, or like hit style classes, stuff like that. Um, I don't think they understand what like progression and training actually looks and then more specifically feels like, and it feels like a lot of repetition. Um, and a lot of these CrossFit programs are like, you know, there's still functional fitness, but they are on progression, like misfit progression. They work in blocks like, like, you know, um, whatever Tia's is proven blocks, uh, hard work pays off blocks mayhem. They work, they work in blocks and that's because like progressive overload works and it is the way that you have to train for this sport, which has become more of a professional sport and, only the people who are training correctly are successful. Like you can't just go in and do an hour workout, you know, hopper style affiliate style workout and have that be enough to be at the highest level. Um, but it's slow. Um, and when people are, are new to it, like there's kind of this quick adaptation. I think, um, when you're like training age is relatively young, when you start doing anything, but especially if you start doing a well-designed program, uh, adapta adaptation happens quickly. So you progress really fast. Um, but then it's kind of, it slows down. Like it's like an asymptotic kind of curve. And so the closer you get to your, your target, or let's say like genetic potential would be that kind of line that you're striving for, the slower progress occurs. And like the fast adaptation can get you 60, 70% of the way there. But that last 30% of adaptation takes quadruple the amount of time. And that frustrates people. Um, I, there was an athlete on Instagram who reported that they got a PR the other day on a split jerk, I think, five or 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. The last time they PR'd their split jerk, 2017. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this is somebody who, whose life is committed to qualifying for the CrossFit Games, to being an elite athlete. Yeah, they are. Their life revolves around getting stronger and fitter, and they didn't. They it took four years to get a PR. Yeah, why? Well, I mean, I, that right there is all we need to say. So goodbye. <laughs> um, I don't know that I'll ever PR again. I PR'd my bench press not too long ago at one ninety five, and that had I had PR'd that in twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen? It must have been maybe early. I think it was twenty seventeen. Maybe early twenty eighteen at 190 so five pound pr four years i pr'd my snatch remember at that competition mm -hmm. in edmonton i hit 175 yeah that was 2018 that was 2018 and i didn't pr my snatch again i hit 180 at opt during covid yeah so like last year 2021 so another Three years. Three years. Three years to make five, to hit five more pounds on a snatch. Yeah. And that's, that's snatching every single week, probably three times a week. Yep. In some shape or form. Yep. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Why? Um, I think for me, I love, I enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. I don't do it. I do it to get better, but I never, I never have looked back you know, after a year of being like, I snatch every week. I should have hit 185 by now. Yeah. Why? Well, 
I would ne- I never, I, that has never come out of my mouth. Mm-mm. I'm running every, I'm running almost every day. I should be running this fast. Based the, on what? The phrase, I feel like I should, makes me want to like put my hand through a wall. It makes me crazy. But you get that with weight loss. You get that with performance. You get that. You I get that like with I, people making money. I feel money. like I should be better at muscle ups. I'm like, but why? Are you working on muscle ups? Well, no. But even if they are, it's like you're going to be as good as you are. Yeah. Keep working at it. Maybe you'll get it. You'll get one. You know, you'll add one to your max set in six months. I mean, I guess there's, there's, there's value in looking at what you're doing and being like, all right, I've been working at this for three years. Is this, am I doing all the right things? Like, is my time that I'm putting in, in the right, is it moving me in the right direction? Is my training appropriate? Yeah. Is my nutrition appropriate? Like, do I have the most knowledgeable coach? It's okay to look at those things. But if you look at those things and you say, I mean, yeah, I think I've got the best coach. I've got, you know, this is, you know, this person, it's working for this person. (laughs) Then at that point, it's like, it is what it is. Just keep going. Yeah. It's like, I mean, to bring it back to the money thing, I feel like I should have a million dollars, but I don't because I spend my money. Like, could I spend less? You just make what you make based on what you do. Yeah. I don't sit around and pout that I don't have more money. Like, I, I have the job that I have. I spend the money that I spend on things that I want. Like I have enough savings and like it's, it's if I want more savings or I want to be smarter with my money, if I like, you know, I think that I could have this in a better account. I get a financial advisor, which we have. I don't walk into the garage every day and feel like I feel like I should have a Ferrari by now. <laughs> That's People it People don't do, well, maybe they do. Well, but they do, but you know, but it, the argument then becomes, well, so-and-so has a Ferrari and they have tons of money. It's like, yeah, but they aren't you. It's the same like, well, so-and-so, you know, eats this or does this for training and look at the way they look. Why don't I look like that? It's like, because you're not them. You mm-hmm. don't know anything about them. Just like, I don't know anything about, you know, this dude that. There's so many factors. Like, you know, you could be eating the same number of calories as somebody and not look the same. But you've both been living in this world for 30 years. What have you done up to this point? Even that matters. Yeah. I mean, that matters a lot. Oh. I, it, there's so many variables like your your athleticism. Yeah. Like, I feel like I should. I hate that. I, I don't think I've ever ugh. said that ever in my whole life. And people say it to me all the time. And it makes me want to Sometimes I think we sh- I feel like we should be arguing less. <laughs> yeah. But here we are (laughs) arguing again. It's wild, man. But that's it. Like that's expectation. I'm trying to think of that. I'm I'm literally. I guess like why wouldn't I say we should work on this? (laughs) (laughs) We we should stop. But instead, I say I feel like we should fight less. Like that's. I feel like we shouldn't argue as much. (laughs) Is that the only context that that comes up for you? I feel like I should feel like we should i feel like this should be feel easier yeah by now i mean i've been in this relationship for over five years i feel like it should be easier <laughs> oh my god and you still grind my gears yeah that's never gonna stop I feel like you shouldn't be grinding my gears as much i feel as like you, you should have figured out how to not annoy me so much by now i feel yeah. like you really should have i this will down. admit to thinking that sometimes i feel like you should know to not fucking <laughs> leave <laughs> dishes in the sink like that 
<laughs> but in the in the context of money, fitness, and nutrition, no, I've never used that term. Yeah, because you know, it's such a useless phrase. Well, expectations are so useless. Like expect, you know what expectations do? It's like the seed of resentment, either for your personal self or for your coach or for your family member or for your friend, whoever you put the expectation on. It is, it just plants a seed for failure and resentment. That's all it does. You can set goals. You can have goals. That's not a problem at all. And if you have an unrealistic goal, I will tell you or whoever in your life will tell you, that's kind of an unrealistic goal. Let's back that down a little bit and then like come up with some shit that you can do daily. That's goals, goals and expectations. Not the same thing. Yeah. I had a, um, and I, I'm almost sure that I've shared this on the podcast, but potentially not in this context. When I was a kid, I played competitive golf and I think it was either my mom, but I think it was probably my grandpa cause he was really into golf. And I would come, I would come after a round and I would look at my scorecard and I would, I would, I would say, I could have parred that hole. If only I had made that putt, I could have shot 72. I should have, I should have shot 72, but I had that double. Or if only I didn't, you know, hit that out of bounds, I would have shot 72. And they, whoever it was, I'll just say it was my grandpa, said, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah, but you didn't. You didn't. You didn't make that putt. Like what you need to do is just go to the putting, putting green and practice. And maybe, maybe you'll make it next time. Savage advice for a nine-year-old. It was good advice though. I carried that with me. It's good advice. Anyways, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah. Stop it. Just stop saying that stuff. Um, I think that's about it. We could have had a great day, but instead you started a fight. We could have had a great day, but instead you didn't do your dish. <laughs> you could have just washed your plate. You suck. Yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like you shouldn't have put me in the position. You left your hair in the drain. You're disgusting. These are all hypothetical. They don't actually happen. <laughs> Never. No. no, no, no. I, those were really just examples. Look at the stove. <laughs> <laughs> the car's out of gas. <laughs> Why I is feel, the car out I of gas? I feel like you should have filled up. Like, yeah, but that was for future, Meredith. I do say this a lot. Not to get too personal here. But I feel like you should know. You do. I say that one a lot. <laughs> I feel like you should know what I meant when I said that or when I didn't. I say, think anybody like in a long-term relationship says that. You know me. I, I don't need to say what's, up, what's on my mind. You should just know what's on my mind. You should know. Yeah, but I don't. Everyone listening to this who's in a relationship is like, oh, my God. Yeah, you... I mean, unless we're just like this like rare couple who fights and no one else does. I don't know. I think people fight. I think so too. They bicker and argue. Yeah, no, I definitely know that people do. So we're not the only ones. I hate your guts. <laughs> <laughs> um, Why do I hate you The sometimes? other day I said, I don't know if, if um, people are familiar with P90X, 
I'm sure a lot of people are. Abraprax. Abraprax. And I remember a phrase and he would always say it. And I always think of it when we're arguing because I'm like, this is truly how I feel. It's like, I love it. Or no, I hate it, but I love it. <laughs> like, Get out of my face. <laughs> it's exactly like that. All right. Well, this has really sp- spiraled in a way. What's the takeaway here? I think the takeaway is um, don't take ancestral liver liver king supplements. Um, It's okay to eat pizza, but also okay to practice restraint. And you shouldn't feel bad about having feelings about food. Um, If you start something new and you're, you're not sure about it, be curious and respectful of the people that you work with. They're professionals and they're also humans. So be nice. That's for us. Most people are nice. Yeah. Um, But most importantly, be curious. Um, Ask questions. Ask questions. Do your own research. Lower. Don't do your own (laughs) research. We do the research. You don't need to do the research. Do your own research on who you hire. That's a good thing. Or just hire us. Yes. Um, Lower or manage expectations and make sure they're reasonable. Figure out a way to make goals and not expectations. And um, if you fight with your significant other, remember that you love them. I have a takeaway story that I've been wanting to share. Okay. And this will hit. This will, I think, hit the home run. Hit the home run. All right. Let's hear the home run. The other week, Meredith and I had a very similar workout. It was slightly different in the format. Uh, I think like you had it every two minutes yes. around and I had one round, like 10 for 10 rounds rest 30 seconds. So it was approximately the same amount of time of rest. And Meredith went into it. It was t- 10 rounds, one round every two minutes. So 20 minutes long of 10 cal ski, 10 toes to bar, one bar muscle up. And mine was 10 sets, 10 t- cal ski, 10 toes to bar, one bar muscle up. Rest 30 seconds in between each set. And Meredith went into the workout with the expectation that the toes to bar into the bar muscle up was meant to be unbroken. I did do that. Yeah, You did. And I think you had the first couple rounds unbroken. I did. I did like three rounds unbroken. And then you started failing the bar muscle up. Because it, it, it was like a lot of pulling. And you're doing a bar muscle up after 10 unbroken toes to bar. With not that much rest. No. No, no, no. You're and getting like 45, 45 seconds of rest. Yeah. Yeah. And you got so mad. You were like, this workout is too hard. Like, because you, had, you, were, you felt like you were failing in the workout. Yeah. Um, and you're like, I don't know what the expectation is. I think you said that. But you knew, like, your expectation going in was, I should be able to do this unbroken. I feel like I should be able to do this unbroken. You didn't say it out loud, but you had it in your head. Well, part of that, too, and, like, this could be a different topic, was because I was thinking about maybe, like, 2018 me, who probably would have done it unbroken. Maybe, yeah. And that's just not where I am anymore. Um, Anyways. And so I went into it, and I'm not the best at either. I'm not horrible, but I'm not the greatest puller. So toes to bar and bar muscle ups are not my greatest strength. So I went in and after having seen Meredith do this workout, I was like, okay, hey, I'm not even going to do it. I'm trying to broken. I'm just going to do the toast bar, drop off, wait a few seconds, then do the bar, the bar muscle up. 
that workout was so much fun. I had a great time. I did it in pretty much the same amount of time that you ended up doing it in, despite the slightly different format. And we like, I would say I came out a little bit farther ahead because while we had the same result, I really enjoyed the process. I wasn't questioning it the whole time. I wasn't angry. (laughs) You know, I kind of came in with no expectations. Yeah. And that's kind of the take home message. Yeah. It's like, you should have, you should set goals. You should have intentions, but I think there's a, there's a limit to, to, to where you put those expectations. Yeah. I think if you, if I had gone into that with, let's see what I can do here instead of this is how I'm going to do it. You could have walked out like, Hey, I did three rounds unbroken rather than I failed seven rounds. Yeah. 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 Very different way to frame that. Thank you. That's a good, that's a good takeaway for people doing the open. It is. Yeah. Go into it with, um, you know, plan to do your best. Don't get too frustrated if your plan falls apart because it will. And remember, it's something that you do for fun. So make sure that you're in, you're having fun. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. Um, we would like, I guess, to officially we, if you don't know, we have grown our team once again. We have Marissa Wise joining us as a coach. Um, you can find her on Instagram at Marissa dot wise and um yeah hopefully we are planning to get some content going and stuff for the open and new website up soon so um that's the update there thanks for listening and we'll catch you again soon